Well, a little cold weather didn't keep Jesus away. So how can we let that bother us? It will warm up. It is written. It will warm up. There are seasons, Ecclesiastes says. So it will warm up. <laughs> Good to see you this morning. Glad you're here. Praise God. Amen. God is better than good. He's the bestest. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm kind of enthused about the move of the Holy Spirit and what he's doing these days. He's cleansing right now. And he's making people alert. He's going, anybody in there? And we respond with, or we respond with, huh? Or we respond to, heaven yes. Praise God. Heaven yes. Glory to God. Well, we've got some good stuff this morning, I do believe. Uh, and we're going to, by the way, we're going to pass out, we don't have the scriptures up. Um, this morning, uh, Brad's catching the healing. But we're going to pass out uh, scripture sheets with the scriptures on them on the way out today. I didn't give them to you up front because, can we be honest? Some people be way ahead of me. And they read it and they walk out the door. That's okay. <laughs> we're going to unpack it for you. <laughs> So on the way out, you may pick up the scripture verses in print. <laughs> oh, praise God. The Lord told me, you know, just like family, you got to work on them. <laughs> and he's still working on me, I promise you. Glory to God is he ever. And that gives good hope to all the kids in America that knowing that God's still working on their parents. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Father, we thank you so much this morning for the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives, for the move in tomorrow in each individual family, each individual person. We thank you, Lord God, you've got a work that uh, you're going to get done, and we can be part of that work or not. And I thank you, Lord, that the people here in this place today, the people on YouTube that listen to the message that's for them today, that you're at work in their lives and they're believing you for greater things. And we praise you for that, Father, that you shall be honored in our house, in our home, in our lives for your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, I had a message prepared for today and uh, we'll, we'll do it next week. It's called, What Are You Thinking? Uh, it's going to kind of go along with this anyway. But I, I felt like that after last week, and sometimes that's the way a pastor picks up a lot of um, the, the, the things that a, a church body is really wanting and drawing on, okay? I felt last week that we had more to do with grace. So I wanted to do grace too, Okay. So we want to talk about that some more. We're going to take some of the same scriptures and expand them even more.
which will be very meaningful for you. So we're not going to go necessarily any further down the road so much as we are going deeper into it. Uh, and I don't, when I say deep, I don't mean, you know, using bigger words. That's not what we're trying to do. We're going to go into some additional thoughts and unwrap what's already there and, and let the Holy Spirit and you have a little conversation together to be able to share the things that God wants to speak to you individually because he's going to tell some things differently in here, not different from each other, but different from what somebody else may have an emphasis for leading for the Spirit of God. Does that make sense? Okay, praise God. Grace too. Um, and we, we discovered last week that grace is power. Grace is the power of God. And I gave you a couple of definitions, I believe. And if I didn't do it last week, I've done it real soon. Real soon? I've done it real pretty close to here. But anyway, time-wise, recently. But the Holy Spirit showed me years ago that the grace of God is the ability to do that which I can't do myself. Okay? The ability to do which I can't do myself. And then uh, another uh, speaker that I was at a meeting about a week after the Lord showed me that said that the grace of God is the power of God to do the will of God with joy. With joy. Okay? The grace of God is the power of God to do the will of God with joy. So I want us to soak a little more into this venture. Uh, so here it is. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting with verse 7. 2 Corinthians 12, starting with verse 7. I'm in the NIV for most of the time today, but I'm going to do some other translations too. Remember, the NIV is a thought translation, so it takes the, the picture of the whole thing and, and says it uh, in, in words. You know, we, we hear and see words in pictures, not in words, but in pictures. So here's the picture that is coming up. To keep me, in Apostle Paul speaking here, from becoming conceited, because of these surpassingly great revelations, and he's talking about the experiences he had when God took him to heaven, okay, and shared with him. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. He doesn't say God gave it to him. He said there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan, Okay, so let's be emphatic about that. Where did the thorn in the flesh come from? Okay. To torment me. Satan doesn't send you anything to bless you. Duh. I remember some years ago talking to some teenagers who said that they just couldn't wait to party in hell and I said well you've got a real misconception of the place called hell there ain't no party there and so we got to talk about that for a while and hopefully it scared the hell out of him 
verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, hey dude, you've already got it. You just need to wake up to it. Okay? You've already got it. You already just need to wake from it. He says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And the word power, and some of you familiar with the Greek rendering here, it's dunamis is the word. It means the miracle working or explosive type power. We get dynamite from it. So he said, my dunamis is made perfect in weakness. In other words, a lot of times we just don't call on the name of Jesus until we really need him. So, you know, people sometimes will have that, uh, uh, that feeling that, uh, you know, I've got something wrong with me, so I'm going to go to the doctor. And then, you know, if the doctor says I can't help anything or if it lingers, then we run to Jesus. Now, I know I'm not talking about anybody in this room today. And nobody on YouTube ever thought of that. But we run to the Lord first, and then other stuff. It's okay, but we, the Lord's where our faith is, right? Okay, so he says, my power, my ability, the things that I can do in your life is made perfect in weakness. Yeah, dude, get out of your weakness, and we're going to be okay. And the way you get out of it is believing God. It's faith. For those of you taking notes, it's F-A-I-T-H, faith, okay? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ dunamis, Christ's power, dunamis, may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Now, how many of you can delight in the middle of all of those things? We ought to. By faith, not because of them, but in them, in the midst of them, while it's going on. Remember, carry your weather on the inside. I'm not moved by two feet of snow because I carry my weather on the inside of me. It does not dictate the rest of my life to me. I can't get out of bed this morning because it's snowing outside. Hey, we had snow here in the last 24 hours. About two cupfuls. <laughs> that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults. How many of you delight in insults? The thing about it is, when somebody insults me, I know they're picking on God. And they're not going to get very far. And if I say something to them, that hurts them unless I've messed up. And if I have, then I have to repent right then and there. But if just because it's truth and they don't like it, I'm not going to get mad and I'm not going to get sorry. Thomas Sewell said one time something like, if you want to do something for somebody, tell them the truth. If you want to do something for yourself, tell them what they want to hear. Kabow. Yeah. So if I tell somebody the truth and they don't like it and it's done in love, 
then they got the problem. And so I'm going to delight in it even if they call me a blah, 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 blah. And there's not any of that going on anywhere in the country today. We know better than that. They're making new words up, literally. He delights in weaknesses and insults and hardships. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. Who's going to pay the bill? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? It's time for God. Praise God. In persecutions. In persecutions. You ever been persecuted? For, for the Lord's sake? For the namesake of Jesus? Because you are a word carrier? You are a spirit carrier? Has somebody picked on you for that? How about somebody that's really close to you? How about somebody in your family that thinks you've gone goofy because you got spirit filled? Uh-huh. If, if you haven't, somebody hadn't picked on you, you're not saying enough. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. I can't believe they've gone crazy. Yeah, praise God, I'm a fool for Jesus. Whose fool are you? <laughs> praise God. I delight in those things, he says. For when I am weak, then, then, then I am strong. And the word strong is the, the root word is dunamis. <laughs> in other words, when I'm weak, then the power's there. The grace is there. That's the reason the Bible says, I stand by grace. I stand on the word. I stand by grace. I stand on what God tells me, not what some newspaper or internet site or the weatherman tells me. Now, I'm not making fun of people in those areas that do good things, but I am saying, I hear from God, and that counts. And one way to hear from God is to read the Bible. That's one way. And let him talk to you through it. The power of God is already with you. Activated with faith. Activate the promises of God by believing, really believing. And if you actually believe something, you will do something. If you're not doing it, you're not believing it. You just know it's there somewhere. Okay, that's a start, but that's not the finish. Okay? So when we read the Word, we find out a lot of things about us, and then we go from there. You know, when I was a youth pastor, I noticed that the most religious people in town were the newly saved, converted Christ uh, teenagers. I can't believe you're doing that. you got to do away with that. Well, the truth of the matter is nobody at church told them that. They thought it because that's the way they identified being a Christian. You can't do this. You can't do that. you got to do this. you got to do that. But the truth of the matter is... Being a Christian simply means Christ-like. And Jesus didn't go around telling everybody what they should not do. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. See, he said, that covers all the law. It covers all the 
do nots. Okay? You can always tell a child, do not. But the best thing to do is to replace it with the truth and love. 2 Corinthians 10, the verse we just read, in the Amplified. So for the sake of Christ, I am well pleased and take pleasure in infirmities, insults, hardships, persecutions, perplexities, and distresses. For when I am weak in human strength, then I am truly strong, able, powerful, and divine strength. I love that. I love that. I'm going to run through that again. So for the sake of Christ, I am well pleased and take pleasure in infirmities, insults, hardships, persecutions, perplexities, distresses. For when I am weak in human strength, then I am truly strong, able, powerful, and divine strength. Remember the time that the guy that I couldn't see because he was in a building throwing out the window, throwing eggs at me because I was preaching the gospel in the town square, Granbury, Texas. He threw eggs at me, raw eggs. One of them hit pretty close and splattered just a little bit on one of my shoes. He couldn't even hit me. His arrows had no power. The fiery darts stood by because the shield of faith was there. Praise God. <laughs> I even called, he was in the second floor of a building across the street, and I called him, <laughs> come on down here. I want to talk to you. We're going to have a good time here talking about Jesus. I never even saw his face. I assumed it was a guy. I know ladies aren't that mean, so anyway. But, I, you know, I, I thought it was kind of amusing. Um, just like the devil, he goes about as a roaring lion. Yeah, he, he's not going to gum you, so don't worry about it. Okay? You stay strong in Jesus. The uh, Greek word popping up like it did, Power related, not my power, not my ability, not my strength, but the strength and power of Jesus Christ. And let me, and it's, it's in my notes, but it's a little bit further on. Let's not get confused grace with being spirit filled. They're two different things. They're by the same spirit. Grace is, seems like to me it's more tending to talk about the the things that I have in my life as far as morality and uh, conviction and the things that I move by, uh, mental uh, things, you know, the, uh, uh, the ability to shun others' words, the ability to keep my uh, thoughts and ideas on track. The idea not to be distracted and spend all my time trying to shoo the devil. The ability that my uh, emotions stay on track. Being spirit-filled enables me to have power to be a witness, number one. And it also gives me the power and the ability to do the supernatural when necessary. It also gives me a way to be able to pray uh, in tongues, which when we talk about uh, the different types of tongues here in a few weeks. 
And we'll bring that out, that you can pray in the Holy Ghost, Jude 20 says. Um, so there's, there are two different things, and it's all the same spirit. And some people want to go either or. And I'm like uh, Bo Jackson, the guy that played football and baseball both. He did those commercials, both. <laughs> you want to do this or this, Bo? He says, both. <laughs> and that's the way I am with Jesus, right? It's the way you are. You want to do both. There it goes. Hallelujah. Kelly reminds me of when you go crazy and start throwing water on people. I was trying to hit Cammy, but it didn't go very far. <laughs> kind of like that egg, huh? <laughs> I take the top off because I trust myself. But anyway. And the word infirmities was used here. And I just want to say something about that. It's probably something to do with the flesh, but it can be something to do with the body. So how many of you know that if you get your emotions all messed up or your thinking messed up, it's going to affect you, including your body, okay? And even secular psychologists and MDs have found that to be the truth. Okay, we know we often use the word sin to mean a lot of things. But the Bible uses the words like sins, infirmities, weaknesses, transgressions, iniquities, as well as other words. So, what, But the Bible uses those other words more specifically. And we tend to use things more generally. So infirmities can mean something that has been brought upon yourself because of something you did, but it could also mean something that you didn't necessarily bring it on, but you had a chink in your armor and you let it in and you let it stay. Okay? And that was what Paul's situation was right here. Now, let's, let's go over here to think about, think about getting saved. Ephesians tells us what? We're saved by grace through faith. Why are we saved in the first place? Because we're weak, miserable criminals. I mean, that's just the way I put it. Well, I wasn't that bad. Yes, you was. <laughs> I didn't say were. I said, yes, you was. <laughs> kind of like fuzzy, 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 wuzzy was a bear. Fuzzy, wuzzy had no hair. Fuzzy, wuzzy wasn't. Fuzzy wuzzy. I knew Cammy knew that one. We are saved by grace through faith because our weakness in that perspective is a great asset. When the prodigal son came to himself, he went back to daddy. When you and I came to ourselves and saw where we stood before God, that's a weakness, but it's a good weakness because it caused us to call upon the name of Jesus. Aren't you glad you saw that you weren't near as smart as you are good looking? Okay. And when you receive Jesus, then you're born again. You're saved. You've got eternal life. And you were saved by grace, God's ability, through faith you, had, you were given 
the measure of faith. You had to have something to be able to receive the seed of God, the word of God. Okay? And you did. Or you wouldn't be born again. You wouldn't be saved. You wouldn't, be, uh, you wouldn't have entered into eternal life. But at the same time, what got us saved can also grow us. So we grow in grace, okay? And we grow in grace through faith, okay? So the, the grace that we're saved is not necessarily the same type or same measure or whatever of grace, I don't want to get into all that because I really don't understand all of it myself. I just know that what the Bible says and it's true. And I've experienced it. How many of you are different today than you were when you were born again? Somebody said, I sure hope so. <laughs> you know, you grow in grace. And, and let me bring something else up. I take a lot of side trips. I hope you enjoy the side trips. You know, it's like taking a trip in your car and you... One mile ahead, historical marker. Do you ever stop and actually read them? That makes the trip. Kelly does. I mean, he gets in the car to go look at the tree leaves. I'm serious. In the fall. But we take these little side trips because it's bringing up something it touches on. And sometimes it brings clarity to you. And if not, just put it on your spiritual shelf and pull it off later on. But there is a difference. Growing in grace is what we do as we grow in the things of God. We use the term, I've got to get this in my spirit, or I've got to, my, I have to, uh, I've got to repeat this or meditate this to get it in my spirit. That's not biblically correct. Okay, and if I'm touching a religious cow this morning, it's okay, we'll hear the moo and go on. But what we are really doing, remember our spirit, soul, and body series that we did? And if you haven't listened to that or probably haven't, probably need to pull it up anyway. Pull that up and listen to it. What happens is our heart is our inner being, okay? And it's made up of our spirit and our soul. It's our, it's our inner, uh, the things that makes the decisions, the things that we know, the things that God is leading. So all those things are in our heart. And we, it, we have a heart, uh, we have a spirit, we have a soul. We are a spirit and we have a soul. And spirit's born again. And Colossians says that we are complete in him. And it's talking about our spirit man, okay? Jesus is in you once you're born again. End of sentence. But you can grow in grace and you can grow spiritually. And the way we grow spiritually is actually that I, I must increase uh, spiritually. In my, I must decrease solically. John the Baptist says, I must increase, he must, he must increase, I must decrease. Say that right again. John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. That's what the battle in our heart is. Because when we're born again, we have a new spirit. We are, we are a new spirit creation, and our soul man still stinketh. Our mind, our will, our emotion is our soul. Still stinks. Okay? And so we need to bathe him daily with the word. Okay? And as we are being transformed by the renewing of our word, as the Bible is washing us with the washing of the water by the word, then our soul man is coming into agreement with our spirit man. So that makes 
the I am growing spiritually. That's how we grow spiritually, is we get our soul transformed. Our spirit man already knows it, but he is not a bully, and he's not going to make you do stuff. Your spirit man goes, I want everything God has for me. And your soul man goes, I want to go out and have a few drinks and I want to have a party and I want to look at that movie I've been waiting to see. Or whatever it might be. Okay? So when I renew my mind, then I start thinking with the mind of Christ. I think like Jesus thinks. Now I'm growing. I'm progressing like it says in Second, excuse me, Romans 12, where be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what's the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, which is a pattern of progression, not three different wills. God's not confused. Okay, here's what I want you to do. If you can't do that, do this one over here. If you can't do that, do that one. No. It's progression. It's on the same road. It's, it's growing in Jesus. So, I just want to make this distinction so we, we get this right, so we understand it better. Not to go tell your Baptist or your Episcopalian or your Methodist friends are wrong. That's not, no, that's the wrong spirit. But help them. And if there's a proper time, please bring it up to them. It will help them. If you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, I don't know how you live in a Christian walk. Because Paul said it real plainly. Things I want to do, I don't do. Things I do want to do, I don't. But who will deliver me from this misstep mess? Romans 8. Jesus Christ. Jesus will deliver you from the junk, the garbage, all the stuff. And sometimes it's real fast, instantly, and sometimes it's a growth, a continuance. I had a guy I was talking to Friday, and he just started giving me his testimony. He says, you know, so-and-so got, uh, got delivered instantly. He said, I didn't get mine that way. I had to work through it. I said, yeah, I understand. You probably understand it better than he did too. <laughs> the whole point here is God's ability is there for us to be able to grow and to be more like Jesus, Christian, Christ-like. And if we kind of break it down a little bit and look at some of these things and the importance of them, we'll better understand it and it'll be an easier trip for us. And we won't be so stinking frustrated because you can't do what, what I need to do. God has a plan for you. God has grace to get you there. And the spirit-filled life is something else that definitely helps you. It makes a Huge difference. In fact, this, this guy that I was talking to, he even got into that. He said, he talked, started talking about being spirit-filled. Well, I agree. Because when I was a Christian, I was content with being a Christian. And then when I realized I needed some help with some stuff and got the truth of being spirit-filled, I went bananas for Jesus. And that's... The way to live. And I wouldn't take anything for that. That's the second most important experience that I had in my life was becoming spirit-filled. Well, when you get born again, you get everything God has for you. You poor, ignorant soul. 
Come to Church of Tomorrow, 6800 North Bryan, Oklahoma City, 73121. And you'll find out there's a lot more to Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the just shall live by faith. So the just will live by grace because faith is in the grace of God. And that would mean something like the just or the righteous shall count on God's power or ability to live. And his word live, live means in Christ here and there. We are passed from death into life when we're born again. Now, are we going to live it? If you inherited $10 million, would you just keep you a bank statement that said, I have $10 million and put it on the wall? Uh, if, if that's what you think life's all about, hey, D-A-N-B-O-O-N-E. That's the way you spell my name. Just give me $10 million, I'll show you what to do with it. We have the ability, but just use it. For the glory of God. Oh my goodness. I heard one pastor tell years ago. He said, you know, if I was a millionaire today, I wouldn't be tomorrow because I'd give it all away. And I thought two things. Okay. Just don't give it away. Give it away. Like God tells you to give it away. Okay. That's the thing he left out. I'm not trying to knock him because it made me think whose money is it anyway? Uh-huh. Yeah. You, you you zoom out of here tomorrow and see whose money that is. <laughs> you can't take it with you. Have I ever told you about the guy that had the money chest up in his attic? Oh, my goodness. I've never told you all about this guy. Okay. This guy, he'll, name, name, he'll be nameless. But he passed on. And the family was at the house, and they were all talking, you know, got together after the funeral. And pretty soon his wife goes, hey. And she looked at her older son, and she said, go up to the attic. And he said, huh? He said, go up to the attic. Your dad put all that money in that chest. So when he passed on, he could take it with him. <laughs> and so the son goes up the stairs and then opens the attic deal and gets in the attic, comes back down. Kind of got a straight face, and his mom says, well, okay, what's the deal? He goes, it's still there, Mom. She said, I told him we ought to put it in the basement. <laughs> That's another side trip. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Ephesians 3, 10. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. He's talking about demonic entities. According to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished, he accomplished, past tense, in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith. See, in him is not enough. It won't, it's not enough. It's not complete. It's in him and through faith in him. Because he's expecting who? The church to do something. 
in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. See, the whole idea is here, if, if Christ is in us and we have faith in that, and we have a situation or we have a need or whatever it is, we can approach God and be confident in it. Confident about what? And by the way, the King James right there, I love it. It says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. In other words, he's saying, I'm suffering some things for you. And that you ought to be a proud, you ought to be glad of that. You ought to be welcome of that because I am doing these things for you, not for me, for you. That's what he's saying. Why? Because they need to do this. And, and when they start doing it and going to God in confidence and seeking God, what's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be inflicted. You're going to be called all kinds of things. If you're really on fire for God and people can see that and know that in your life, don't feel badly. When they say, there goes that Christian. Don't feel badly about that. Say, glory to God. Okay. So the, he's telling us what's going to happen. What, what things could happen to us when we're Christians. Somebody may make fun of you. Somebody may protest against you. Like I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, there was a protest of there was a pro-life group meeting on a campus and there were people that were against them. They're protesting the pro-lifers. And they were cursing God. They were cursing God. That hurts to hear that if you're a child of God. Just like somebody's cursing your parents. That hurts. But you, you can't get mad at them. Jesus forgave you and me when we were dead in our trespasses. When he was on the tree, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Have you got that in you yet? Do we have to forgive those jerks? Yeah. We've got to forgive them. If we don't forgive them, we're binding their sins to them. We forgive them. We're loosing those sins. If they want to be loosed. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Verse 13, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. 14, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, for whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And by the way, this is a good prayer to pray for people that you're praying for who are lost or in situations. Put their name in there. For this reason, I kneel before the Father for whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen Kelly, okay, with power. That's the way you insert somebody's name in to pray for somebody individually and with the word of God. With power, guess what? There's dunamis again. Through his spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in Kelly's heart through faith. Through faith. 
He's got to have faith and pick up and activate that faith to be able to believe in God that this thing gets active and that God's grace will be in his life to do that which only God can accomplish. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. This is not dunamis. Other translations say comprehend. Uh, I would say it would be fine to say that or ability. Together with all saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Thank you, Kelly, for introducing that in prayer time. That You didn't know that this is what I was going to say today. Praise God. Holy Spirit did. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you cannot figure the heights, depths, lengths, and breadths of the love of God in your head. It's way beyond our understanding ability to put it in our head. But we're going to stretch out there as far as we can. And tomorrow we can stretch a little further. And to know the love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And when you're filled, you're going to leak out and you're going to speak out and you need to be filled again and 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 again. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask, all that we can ask, or imagine. I can imagine a lot. How about you? Who is able to do more than that, according to his power, his dunamis, that is at work within us. See, his dunamis is working in us. And the thing about it is, am I connecting with faith? Am I growing in faith so that I can receive more grace? The grace is there. It's a matter of tapping into it. Holy Spirit's already in you. Are we going to tap into him? Are we going to allow him to do what he wants to do in our lives? Are we going to allow him to show us what he needs to show us? Handle our emotions and all those things that we can throw off and give to him because he's better able to handle it than we are? Is his burden light? Is his load is his burden easy and is your load light? Is your burden easy? Is your load easy, light? If it's not, then you turn it over to him. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. Uh-huh. Here we see... I need to, okay, I'm sorry. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or think according to power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So he's linking us together with generations yet to come as well as the generations that have already come. Christianity is a generational thing. God has no grandchildren. I'm going to my great-granddaughter's birthday party this afternoon. I believe that when she comes to the age that she needs to be, she's only two, that she will be a believer in Christ Jesus. But she has to experience that for herself. I can't do it for her. My son, who's her grandfather, cannot do it for her. And her mother and her dad cannot do it for her. She must do it for herself. 
God wants everyone to know they can be a child of God, not a great-grandchild. Now, great-grandchildren are cool, especially when she happens to be the most beautiful intellectual girl you've ever seen in your life for two years old. Uh, it just happened to be my great-granddaughter. But the birthday card I got says God is really loving too. Two eyes, two arms, two legs, you know. He loves the number two, so that's the way we're expressing the love of God to her. Uh, hallelujah, I just love that. Here we see in Ephesians power and faith working together, or more precisely, faith bringing about grace. Or maybe it would be better to say that faith awakens grace. Maybe you like to think of it that way. Faith awakens grace. Well, how do I get more faith in, Brother Dan? Thank you. Thank you for asking that question there, sir. Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. NIV says it this way, and I love it. Faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. And that gives me the uh, ability to say, oh, I need healing. So I want to get the message of healing in the Bible. What did Jesus do for me to have healing? Whose own self bore my sins in his own body on the tree, that I be in dead essential, live in righteousness, and by his stripes I was healed. See, that gives me the ability to walk in wholeness and health because I know what he did. Uh, by his stripes, I was healed. Himself took my infirmities and bore his sicknesses. He's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals me. If the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and he does, then he who raised Christ from the dead shall quicken, that is to make alive with the God kind of life, your mortal body, by his spirit that lives in you. He sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and he will quicken, make alive with a God kind of life, your mortal body. Mortal's death doomed. It's not the body in heaven, it's the body now. Some people don't read that right. T.J. McCroson wrote that, a book almost 200 years ago about that. And some people want to rebuke it because they didn't get healed when they prayed. Well, keep on trying. Did you walk the first time you got up on your legs and stood up? Probably fell on your fanny, right? My dad always called it fanny. I don't know why, but that's what he, anyway. <laughs> we could get up and try again. Get up, try. I remember being six years old trying to ride a bicycle without training wheels. Somehow I came up with some skinned knees. And I didn't sue the bicycle manufacturer either. <laughs> so God gives us enough faith to prime the pump and believe. Then he gives us the ability to grow in grace. Grow in grace. Now, in closing, or kind of in closing, I'd like us to, to spend the rest of the time, these few minutes, in Hebrews 4.16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us 
in our time of need. And I really like the King James here. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may be able to obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. Okay. Hebrews talks a lot about the blood that Jesus shed for us. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice for me and you, if you receive, then you can walk boldly into the throne room of grace. I do not have to come to my Father God. Oh God, here I am again. And I just thank you that you didn't kill me for that sin I did yesterday. Now be honest with God. Don't, don't be hyper. And don't think of yourself higher than you should. But don't be a worm. Because that's thinking of yourself lower than you should. Jesus died for you. He didn't die for worms. This will change your life if you'll get this. Hebrews 4.16, walk boldly into the throne room of grace or walk confidently. That doesn't mean you go in snip, snort, and everything else. It means you go in knowing that your Father is going to hear you. Why is He going to hear you? Because Jesus paid the price for your ticket to walk into the throne room of grace. Oh, my goodness. Most Christians don't even, they quote this verse and don't even get it. Walk boldly into the throne room of grace that you may be able to obtain mercy. I need mercy. Mercy to cut off the things of the past. Mercy to cut off the sins that I've committed or the sins that I've omitted because I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Obtain it. Receive it. Father God, I'm here. I confess to you that yesterday I called Kelly a bad name or whatever I did. Can't, that, that really would convict me, see? And I'm not trying to make light of this. Yesterday I did blankety blank whatever. I need your mercy to forgive me. I need a brand new start again. And you know, Lord, I've been here for the same thing before, but I'm not worried about it because I'm really trying to do the right thing. And I know that I was wrong and I need mercy to forget it so I can go on with my life glorifying you. Obtain mercy and then find grace. I'm in that throne room. And I'm looking for grace. Where's the grace? Because I'm asking my father for the ability to get past this again. And I'm doing it with confidence. I want to get on with my Christian walk. I'm not going to spend forever over here with mercy. Because Jesus has already paid the price. I know he has. And there's no doubt about it. And why should I say something a hundred times? Because God's already heard it. 
You see, sometimes we spend so much time about, oh, would God forgive me? Would God forgive me? Would God forgive me? We spend so much time doing that, that we're taking our lives off course from where God wants us to go because we're spending all of our time acting like sick, sad, lonely, and miserable. Don't act that way. Jesus took care of it. Oh, Pastor Dan, you just don't know what I did. You don't know what Jesus has already done. He's taken care of it. He cleaned your slate. Now, if you've made a mistake, yes, confess your sins because he's faithful to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Yes, walk in the light as he's in the light. Yes. But don't spend all day in there. Every day or every other day or once a month or whatever the formula for that might be in your life. No. Confess your sins. Receive. Obtain mercy. He's got it and he gives it liberally if you believe. And I'm not trying to give us a free ticket to, to, to sin. That's No, that's the furthest thing from it. In fact, what we're trying to do is the opposite of it. Because I want to get back on my life and do something constructively with the Lord. So what? We obtain grace, excuse me, obtain mercy, and we find grace. God, I need your help in this. I need to be more bold when I speak to people about you. Or I need to answer these questions a little better. How do I do it? God, I've got this thing I did years ago, and I know I've can get over it because you're able to deliver me and set me free. Now, what kind of scriptures do I need to read or what do I need to say or confess or how do I get through this, God? Help me and show me because I want to live the life you've called me to live other than a beat down, trodden on, walked on, no thing that would, nobody that would do anything for God just says, woe is me. We don't want to be woe is me. We want to use your gifts and your talents and your abilities for the glory of God. And it may be in your association with a spouse or with a friend or with your family or with the next 10 people you meet in your life. Just like this guy that I met Friday. He started telling me all about his past and what it means to him today. He gave glory to God. And that's what we should be able to do in our words, in our walk, in our things that we we, we say, and if we'll do these things and the things that we think, we're going to get there. Now, God will show us, and he will tell us, and he'll tell us things in love. And sometimes those things are going to knock off the, the bad, sharp places in our lives that need to be dealt with. He'll get his file out. and You know, take those sharp places off. But that's good. I need them off. I don't even see them till I go to the throne room of great mercy and grace. And I go to the throne room of grace and I say, Father, what is it? And maybe it's right then and there. And maybe it's a little later. But he'll give me the answer. He'll show me. He may have Kelly come talk to you about it. Who knows? He has a way of getting it done. You just believe him. The body of Christ is hindered because it's not confident in the grace of God. The body of Christ is hindered because it is not competent in the grace of God. 
How do you get confident? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by the message and the message of that thing, whatever it is, in Christ. Confidence comes by spending time with God in the throne room. Not in the, the cleaning up room. That, oh, that's necessary. Don't misunderstand me. Very necessary. I'm there just about every day for a few minutes. Is this getting through? Is this helping you? See, if we're confident in the grace of God, I ain't got nothing to worry about. I've got it. Now, if I start thinking I'm so smart, or so fantastic, or smell so good, or look so debonair, I'm going to blow it. Because he gives what? Grace to the humble. And resist the proud. So my humility gets lost in mercy, the mercy room. <laughs> now I go to the grace room in humility and pick up the ability of God to do that which I cannot do myself. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We believe, God, that your word's going forward in our lives from this day forward to conform to the image of Jesus Christ in every way in our lives. God, we thank you that you've enabled us with your power to be supernatural beings by the grace of God. We thank you, Lord, that your mercy cleansed us and your grace empowers us and leads us on and takes us past the things that have held us behind. We don't want to spend all of our time trying to clean up stuff we can't even really clean up. We want to take our time to repent and we want to take time to spend with you in the throne room of grace that we can connect with you and be able to walk out with new ideas and new ventures and new thoughts in our lives to be more like Jesus. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent him that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have life everlasting. And I'm going to ask you this morning, if you're not a Christian, if you haven't made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I mean, if you've not had an encounter with him that you remember when you walked out of your sins, out of your past, into the things of God, and remember that time or experience, then you're quite likely not saved. That's okay. Today's the day of salvation. So we're going to pray a prayer out loud those of us that know Jesus, and we're going to ask you to pray that same prayer out loud with us when we pray. It'll only work if you believe it to the best of your ability and are serious about it. So let us pray together. Dear God in heaven, we thank you for that you have forgiven us of all of our sins. That the past is no more my direction in life. I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. And right now I want to make him the Lord of my life. I confess Jesus as boss. Thank you for saving me. 
making me a new creation and giving me another chance in this world so that I can glorify you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name I receive. And I praise you for it. And somebody else start praising God.